What's going on? This is City Chapters Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby J. Today, I'm with Alfred Ottoson. And Alfred is a pilot mechanic for a Christian-based nonprofit called Mission Aviation Fellowship. He is in training for a mission to the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Mission Aviation Fellowship, a.k.a. MAF, provides aviation services to more than 400 mission agencies, churches, and humanitarian organizations around the world. So that's what he's going to be a part of out in the Congo, flying and helping people out there with different needs they have and also spreading the word, the Christian word. Alfred, what's up, brother? What's up? Excited to be here. (laughs) How you doing today, man? Doing well, doing well. I'm glad you're excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. Uh, a little backstory, me and Alfred met playing soccer. Uh, he's, you know, not the first one on here from soccer. So uh, a lot of people know, I, I know people in the soccer community. Um, we played on a co-ed team together and we played for quite a few years. We did, yeah. We had a good good stretch. Yeah. <laughs> good stretch. Uh, yeah, I haven't was good. played since uh, Adam moved, you know, the team kind of fell apart because he was kind of the anchor of the team. Yeah. Um, I kind of miss co-ed, yeah. you know, a bit. It was, it, it was kind of fun. Yeah. I've been just playing men's basically since. Yeah. So. Even when we had a pretty bad losing streak for like, I don't uh, know. We were called the replacements for a yeah, reason, I think. Exactly. Yeah, it was, <laughs> we had like a 20-something losing streak. It, for was, it was a little depressing at times, but we, for sure. But we, we built it up, and yeah. I think we won. Like, Yeah, we did really well in some yeah. seasons, too. Yeah. So that was, that was nice. Yeah. yeah. But I always, you know, it was... Especially with the co-ed outdoor. I mean, I like it's not that serious, no. you know. But I like winning. I exactly. do like winning. But <laughs> we definitely struggled there yep. on some of those games. So we I'm sure through. Adam's going to listen. Adam, if you listen, what's up, brother? It's yeah, good. what's up? I hope you're doing well wherever you are, man. Mm-hmm. Hope I see you soon. Yeah, I'll miss you. Um, anyway, so uh, we'll start from your beginning. Yeah. You're not from the States. No, you I'm not. born in Sweden. Correct, yeah. And... Uh, your family moved to Nepal for a mission when you were one. Mm-hmm. So your family's been involved in missions yep. all your life, essentially. Pretty much. And uh, how long did you live in Nepal? Um, lived there for a total of six years. Six. Um, so we went back and forth a little bit, but we lived there from when I was one till I was six. And then we lived in uh, Sweden for like three years and then... Um, us as a family got the opportunity to go for another year after that. I think that was in 99 to 2000. Mm-hmm. That was 10 years when we finally moved back to Sweden um, permanently, so okay. to speak. Yeah. So you so, went to Nepal again for a year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. And do you have memories in Nepal? Yeah, mostly from that last year. Yeah. <clears throat> um, But also some from from my early childhood what are um, some cool memories or like uh like changing life-changing memories you might have from that experience being in nepal oh wow well. that's any? a lot i mean uh yeah it, i mean that's kind of the trajectory of my life since but yeah. some of the highlights i think was that like the simplicity of life mm-hmm. um i mean as a kid we um so just to give a little backstory, my my dad is a, a surgeon, mm-hmm. so he worked at a at a hospital there. And at the time, like Nepal, it still is like in the bottom of the charts when it comes to like pro- poverty, 
infant mortality rates, you know, uh, social infrastructure as in like schools and hospitals and stuff like yeah. that. So, um, so he, he came to help there. Um, it was like a, a missions hospital. Uh, there were a few others like, um, foreigners there who, who, who served as professional doctors. And, um, so yeah, we had a little, um, we were, we lived right next to the hospital. Uh, it was like at the very edge of the town. The town was, Nepal is extremely mountainous. Yeah. And, uh, so the town was like mm-hmm. stretched out on a hillside, like, um, yeah, across it. And we lived at the, in the very edge of it. So, so it was very close to, uh, nature in a mm-hmm. way, you know? So I, as a kid, we just, there was so much, I was outside a lot, a you lot, know, yeah. climbing like different types of trees and like, mm-hmm. you know, we climbed high up on, in like bamboo trees and stuff like that, which wow. I was like, that was not super smart maybe, yeah. but. That's um, what boys do. It I is. used to climb <laughs> trees. My mom, I remember one time came out of it yelled at me because I, I had been like 40 feet up in a tree. Like mm-hmm. she was like, she was like having an heart attack. And I was fearless when I was a boy, you know, yeah, like exactly. climbing stuff like that. I didn't think about falling out. You no, know? you did like, not. think about climbing up. Exactly. You see yeah. like someone else do it. I was like, yeah. oh, that, let's try it, you know. Yeah. And then so it was a lot of exploring, you know, we, you, find, you found like a trail. Like we didn't have a car. Right? No one had a car. Mm-hmm. The hospital had like two Jeeps. Yeah. That if you needed to go somewhere, you hired a driver and then he took you to whatever city or town you, you needed to go. So we walked, you know, everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, just like the locals did. And um, and as a kid, you just had a lot of time to like explore little uh, paths and uh, and like, um, I don't know. It was just fun. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and uh what where did you guys live in nepal like what area like so, oh the, the town is called yeah. tonson tonson yeah nice. in the in the palpa district hmm. and uh it's it's fairly unknown you know it doesn't draw mm-hmm. a lot of tourism or or anything like that so hmm. it's uh the two places in nepal that people usually know about is Kathmandu, the capital city yeah. so we lived it varies how long it takes to drive depending on the road they have mm-hmm. like problem with landslides and stuff like that yeah. but yeah i uh, it would take like eight, maybe eight hours of driving on a bumpy mm-hmm. road <laughs> you know yeah and then Tonson is like three or four hours south of pokra uh, which is a uh, more of a tourist attraction okay. a lot of trekkers come through there yeah know? so it's, that's like the the closest portal to the Himalayas, you yeah. know, the Annapurna yeah, circuit. That's where all the climbers all come through. Exactly. And, and they have a beautiful lake there as well uh, that a lot of people visit. So nice. so that might, some people might get a reference from there. But yeah. Um, but yeah, we didn't have a lot of like Western influence, you know, we didn't have a TV or anything mm-hmm. like that, which was, there was a TV room that we, in the guest house close close to the hospital which we could like sometimes we would uh, you know rent it or book yeah. it as a family and like yeah. uh, have a movie night but hmm. it was very simple um i miss it a lot to be honest and of course it's the age before cell phones and all that stuff so yeah it's like <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is was great right um i think from the when i was like nine to ten that year um 
some of my greatest memories is like playing soccer actually um then i was like old enough to kind of um yeah um yeah engage with one of my little regrets is that i never i learned to speak english there Mm -hmm. uh because we were the only swedes in the area uh and then but I never really learned to speak uh, Nepalese. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but we played soccer on this like the hospital tennis court, and uh, and uh, the local kids would come and like bring a ball, nice. and then uh, that, that must have been awesome. Yeah, it was great. And like soccer yeah. is like a a universal language in right, a way. Like you know sure. how to kick a ball, yeah. you know sort of the rules of the game. Well, yeah. then you can come and play. Yeah. You know? So, so that was a ton of fun. And, uh, you know, we're from like totally different worlds Mm -hmm. like, and spoke different languages, believed in different gods, you know, but, but we could, we had fun playing soccer. Are the Nepalese primarily Buddhist? Uh, primarily Hindu. And then, okay. Yeah. Cause yeah, that, yeah. That makes sense. For a long time, it was the only like official like Hindu nation or like Hinduism as the state religion or whatever. Mm. I think that would be the correct term. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I was uh, very heavy. Uh, Hindu. I guess I I went to Buddhism because the Dalai Lama, right? Yeah, and if, but, if I remember but, my my history correct, the uh, uh, the original Buddha. No, I can't remember his name. Um, was born uh, in Siddhartha Gautama or something, something like that. Like that Siddhartha yeah. Gautama, I think, or something. I don't know That's, how to pronounce yeah. it correctly, but yeah. I think his like childhood home, like that palace they grew up in, is within the borders of Nepal. Okay. So it, yeah. It, it's very the roots are there. Are and there, uh, yeah. very there's some very strong Buddhist influences as well. So, For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh a lot of people didn't mind mixing, <laughs> you know, no. a little bit of each. Because so. I think Buddha is actually a Hindu deity. I think he's actually one of the deities in Hinduism. It's something like yeah, that. Yeah. Because Hinduism has like 330 million gods. Something, yeah. It's each each religion has its own yeah, I'm like reading, god, you know. And I guess we're getting on to other religions. <laughs> yeah, this exactly. is a Christian base. <laughs> no, it's so fine. I'm not... Never mind. We're just gonna keep on going, man. Yeah, no, <laughs> just no, it's all uh, it's interesting stuff, you know. You, yeah. It's um, and uh, yeah, but, it uh, is, man. So those are, it is. But those were some of my my good. That's pretty awesome. There. I mean, like just you know, I I like to get that back end story and like those influences of like being ten years old or being a kid, being mm-hmm. in Nepal, like the influences of like being around people that don't speak your language because. Most most kids don't get that experience, right? right? Like most kids aren't getting that experience. Yeah. So, and we uh, saw like that, that was a good point. Sorry for cutting you off. No, but like go ahead. Uh, poverty, you know. Yeah, it was same. everywhere, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, there were no malls. No, there yeah. was like one store where you could find like imported goods from like India, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, you couldn't find a beef, you know, because mm-hmm. they didn't they don't eat a lot beef. of them are. Plant-based, uh, over yeah, yeah, and and cows are sacred animals, so you can't That's slaughter right. them, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so you know, all the hot dogs were chicken, yeah, you know, and stuff like yeah. that. So, mm-hmm. uh, so 
yeah and having that perspective and then moving to like a first world country where everything is working smoothly and like you know they have good industries and stuff like that well yeah was yeah, like I mean, that was mind-boggling like yeah and uh i mean i don't know i've never <laughs> been to sweden but i mean notoriously they are known for everything's working pretty well exactly over there. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like they got to figure it figured out yeah <laughs> out of everybody in the world they're kind of like known as being the the top one of the top coolest right well-oiled countries yeah I guess. exactly they have a um are known for a, a well-working bureaucracy although they have their their troubles yeah. as well, like right. everybody does. I think but. anywhere there's people, there's exactly. trouble. <laughs> Any human system has <laughs> There's a has person flaws. there, there's trouble. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. No. So, yeah. so you moved back from there when you were 11? Uh, I think it was 10. Yeah. So you moved in there. In there. Yeah. And um, so your dad was a surgeon in Sweden as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he would do these missions for a time just to like take his services to help people. Like the opportunity came. Yeah. And uh it's something that he felt he wanted to do as a man as mm-hmm. you know, to give back, right? And yep. just serve God for exactly. these people. And I mean he felt called to do this and uh I, th- I think like pretty early on in uh, my dad's and my mom's relationship, he like made that known to her, like mm-hmm. this is what I'm gonna do with my life. Yeah. You know, so and he still goes back to Nepal. I think he's actually there right now still. Oh, really? Uh, he goes like every year for like six, six to eight weeks. Oh, nice. And uh, he still helps out at the hospital some. And But yeah, and then we moved to Sweden. Um, grew up in a totally different world. You know? Yeah. I felt like a stranger there. Yeah. It was like my, my home, you know, my yeah. passport country. But, mm-hmm. um, but I, it was so weird. yeah i would imagine your perspective being quite different from you know people that kids that are super privileged right i think about like man i definitely needed to be taken to a place like that as a kid Mm. because i was just a spoiled brat you know what i mean like not that my parents tried to spoil me but i just lived in a a, you know middle class family that did well and uh just thought you know like that's whatever. the world you like know? Uh, yeah. like i was a brat you know like <laughs> and um didn't have like really that reference out there that like how people suffer i mean you'd see kids in our you know our school that obviously weren't doing as well mm-hmm. right but we made fun of them you know right. what i mean like yeah. a lot of times like mm-hmm. and now you know, like i regret a lot of that you know i wish i had more of the cognizance or leadership to understand like people don't all have the same availabilities and like the same opportunities and um and i really do believe that like you know people say like things of the nature like oh well if you're alive basically you can change your life and it's not that simple you know especially Mm -hmm. as a child like you're kind of stuck in what you're born into for some time at least, you know, and like, um, uh, you know, I, I think my parents did the best they could, but, you know, there's definitely some things that I could have been explained to better about how I view and think of others, you know, because yeah. I definitely thought I was, you know, better than other kids, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, And, and as a uh, kid, you know, you have, you know, 
you're you only know what you've been yeah. presented, you know. Yeah. yeah. And it's <laughs> and, just I feel like um, unfortunately it is natural in human behavior to do that to mm-hmm. others, like if you can. Oh yeah. You know, mm-hmm. until you get humbled, you know, or exactly. whatever the case is and <laughs> or it happens to yourself. Yeah, too. God has humbled me or yeah, and it's happened right happened to me, right? Where mm-hmm. I'm like not the cool kid or whatever, right. you know, do something that's uh whatever, you know, and so um yeah, I look back now, and, you know, and I'll have a lot of knowledge to pass on to my children or kids that I'm around, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm ever mentoring or helping teach young kids, you know, there's definitely some things there that I wasn't told and taught as a kid that I think are helpful. But like having that that experience you did in Nepal, like that's going to, that's just going to change the way you view the world, you For know, sure. and so... Yeah. That's uh it's really a unique, cool experience, man, being in like such a amazing place, even with the poverty. I think that you probably experienced the kids there were really happy, right? A lot yeah, of them like at least from what I could see. What you, you know, could um, right. There's only so much you can see, but yeah. But it's like what you something you could take away is like having all these like material things did not necessarily like result in increased happiness or mm-hmm. or value in life, you know? Yeah. Uh, it can make things easier, but, you know, like people struggle with, you know, in varying degrees, but really with the same things all over the world, you know, mm-hmm. they, uh, they, they ask the same kind of questions, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, about life and their family, like how to raise your kids, you know, and uh, who is God and, and mm-hmm. how do we know him and and um, all those things, you know, yeah. like. Um, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, and uh, so, so it's good to see, like, the people that live in, like, a different part of, of the world in a very different, like, context, you know. Yeah are still um, very much human, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just like me, you know. Right. It's, and it's, uh, it's, it's hard to, I saw it in like a lot of friends who uh, had not been outside of Sweden, uh, that like how, how other people lived, you know, and, and kind of what you say, like what, what cards are being dealt to them at their mm-hmm. birth, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, um, um, and you have to learn to play your hand, you yeah. know, um, yeah. and, uh, so to speak, metaphor. Yeah. Speaking. Yeah. Some hard, some hands are really hard to play. They are. Yeah. And then some hands are like, what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, a lot of times it comes down to also, you know, it's not the only thing, but how, how to play it. Yeah. You, know, you exactly. can have a really you can get good a great hand and, and play it poorly. Play it poorly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, so, all right. So you guys moved back to Sweden, Mm -hmm. you finish out high school and everything there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And did you go to a normal high school? So the, the way that high schools work in Sweden, uh, you kind of apply for a a type of major in high school. So like an emphasis and study. Really early. So basically focusing, huh? Yeah. So after... So it would be 10th to 12th grade. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Um, some are very general, but basically it kind of like funnels you into uh, which track you will go down in university. So you can change it later mm -hmm. on, uh, but but basically that's kind of when you're starting to narrow down mm. your um, uh, academic options mm. or like... Um, yeah, yeah, like career like fields, shaping yourself, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I uh, went. I was really interested in history mm -hmm. uh, at the time. That was like my my favorite subject, and I thought that I would be like a history teacher or professor or something. Mm -hmm. um, so I um, chose this program that we did a lot of like social studies, um, and uh, it because it provided the the highest levels of. Uh, history classes that were available so um so i did that and uh uh found out my senior year we did like one history project the entire year so it basically was supposed to mimic like a university level um essay and uh, it was not quite that advanced yeah. but basically you like had a thesis and like you you chose a very narrow subject area mm -hmm. and then uh you got together with a group of your classmates and uh you tore apart each other's essays basically as like a critiquing yeah. group you know because yeah because that's what you do in the academic uh field make you sure know. you're talking more oh, into sorry. the mic too, there we just go add your, yeah. add to the side yeah i want to have like a clear view of yeah there, you, you know? can move it too move <laughs> oh, okay. it however you want to nice. yeah um you can tell us my sure first time through yeah. clear yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, so in that project i was like this is actually not what i want to do yeah. so because uh, to me it was like you become expert at a very like narrow field mm. and you become like the one expert in the world on that sure but but i like the the grand view of history you know and so uh, so i was like i was like this is probably not for me on the other hand um when I was 16, that was the first time I uh, encountered someone from MEF. So they have like a an office in Sweden, and they oh, do really? yeah. So they Whoa. help more with like the uh, with resources. So mm -hmm. they do fundraising. They uh, recruit people for different positions and stuff. So um, my interaction with them was really short. I basically thought it was like, oh, this looks pretty interesting. So I asked them how to become a pilot. And um, becoming a pilot is not super straightforward, mm -hmm. uh, which I discovered right there. Mm. Uh, and uh, then I um, I can't remember what he said, but I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cumbersome. So <laughs> I kind of left and didn't yeah. really think about that yeah. very much more. Um, but also in my senior year in high school, uh, or upper secondary technically, but same mm -hmm. thing really. Um, we had a social studies class and we were diving like pretty deep into some like research projects and, um, or different like themes. And my class, uh, researched a lot about like child soldiers uh, and like African conflicts. Yeah. So we read a lot about Congo, uh, yeah. the, the Democratic Republic of Congo. And uh, um, and I was like really taken away by how dark, like um, so much evil going on. You know, yeah. they, they like rec recruit, like a recruiting method to recruit like 
child soldiers is that you raid a village, you give this little boy a gun, mm-hmm. and then you make him kill his parents. Yeah. You know, and uh, and then he has nothing to return He's to. So broken. Yeah. yeah and that. like, and then the the people who who uh, you know forced him essentially or um, to do this mm-hmm. now they become his family yeah you know? and they hop him on drugs and yeah yeah you know and who knows what and uh mm-hmm. um and they uh commit like crazy atrocities yeah. um which um puts them further away from society because no one will accept them back now yeah yeah once they've done this yeah and um um and it was just like it was really heartbreaking and i was not alone in feeling that way in my class but um but you know people were like well what can we do you know mm. and uh, and uh, i don't remember saying this but uh after i started like going to school here in the states for to to do this um i visited sweden and met up with a high school friend and he said you know like you talked about this in high school mm. <laughs> that you're that you might be doing this or like that, that you would like to and i was like i have actually no memory of that but mm. so even then like i think like god was like working in, yeah, in me too like signs I yeah in the maf office <laughs> yeah talking to him right and, and then, then like it's night night at that moment but then you mm-hmm. study the congo in high school yeah yeah and uh um yeah there's a ton of stuff that we could talk about we could talk for two hours just about congo and like what's going on there but Mm -hmm. i'm sure we'll talk about it some more but um yeah yeah, so so that was kind of with me um and then my i noticed that my schooling in uh or the type of major basically that i was put through or that I chose, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in high school, you, we, what we did was like, we criticized sources, like all the yeah. time, like articles, like, right. or historical documents, like, okay, how can we know that this is true? Which parts of it is true? Is there bias here? Like how long after the, the event was this written down? Was it written by a first uh, hand eyewitness or is it passed down? You know, yeah. so all those different criterias. And um, and I was like, my mind is kind of like I'm critical of everything right now, and uh, and uh, even in my faith, like with, yeah. with Jesus and God, and mm-hmm. and uh, so so I really struggled with that, and uh, so I was like, okay, before I jump into like university or job or whatever, I uh, I really had to give like the um, got a chance to teach me as well. So, so I uh, went to, uh, a Bible school, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, in Sweden, in Sweden. Yeah. Okay. This is an international one. Um, so, so there, there were students from like North America and like, uh, parts of Europe. I was like the only, there were two others, three other Swedes. Mm-hmm there out of like 60 students or something Hmm. and um um and that's and i really 
struggled through these like questions of like how can you know that the bible is true yeah uh and good questions uh, yeah and uh and it gave me like an opportunity to to explore that and like Mm -hmm. and to be like brutally like honest like because you know the teachers were very gracious (laughs) in these things and there were like things like that really bugged me when whenever there was like music connected to a message i felt like i was emotionally manipulated mm. in that and i was like i do not want this to be like an emotional ride yeah i want to know god if he's real i want to know him for what he is i don't want mm. this like um emotional thing so i i struggled with that a lot and um and during that like program so i was in like a, a special program in that school we had we're a team of like seven students and uh um basically was like an outdoor uh leadership type of um course Mm -hmm. so out of that year we spent like almost two months in the outdoors total and uh basically they like challenged us physically mentally like as a team and put us through like a ton of different um challenges so so wait they they had you out living outdoors in the wild for uh, two months not two months straight no but uh but like they you know they would take us on a pretty extensive like um hiking you know they introduced things like yeah you're out there for a couple days at a time exactly but then you know we would wake up one morning and our instructors are not there you know and they're like (laughs) <laughs> all right what do we do you yeah, know so like, they let, let a little like instructions like okay your next objective is like these coordinates that's sweet. and we have to like get there and they were like oh yeah by the way you cannot use any uh roads mm-hmm. so we were like okay we have to get there by navigating like through the woods mm. and uh this is a cool i want to say uh bad you know yeah no, I, I got school, you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's, no, that's cool, man. It was like extremely challenging, and yeah. we were like out in like uh, some pretty crazy weather. Yeah. But our instructors did not like. We had a cell phone, so we could like call them in if like someone broke a leg or something like that. Of course. But yeah. but it was really awesome because uh, throughout the, that year, like I I had been in scouts like all my life, and my dad mm. had taken us on like outdoor you trips. You guys have boy like scouts over there? Uh, it's co-ed scouts. It's, we just call it scouts. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But, uh, we probably got it from you, actually, is what really happened somewhere. I think the, <laughs> scouts the original come scout from. movements, I, th- I think, was British. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Okay, um, cool. And uh, um, but we were outside a lot and yeah. we got exposed to, like, you know, navigating and, like, how to make a fire and stuff like that. So I was, mm-hmm. um, I was really comfortable because it was my woods, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, that's, yeah. others were from different countries, so yeah. Uh, so I had like that advantage, and mm-hmm. I was like um, really excited to like show that to them, you know. Yeah. That not my advantage, but you know, show, introduce mm-hmm. the Swedish like wilderness to them. Yeah, you know? and it, um, it is an advantage for sure. Yeah, I mean it's your. But I but I wanted to share that with them, you know. Right. So like so I think uh, um, I was. 
I adapted to that environment like more more naturally than than some because yeah. some of them came in with like no outdoor experience at all yeah you know? so it was so you kind of probably ended up being more one of the leaders in yeah, your group right I was really quiet so oh, I was okay. like my instructors told me like you gotta speak up more you know stuff you can yeah. help help your teammates you know yeah because um, I was like I don't want to you don't want to assume the position of leadership. Yeah, that or, and like, you know, and I was like, they're learning. Yeah. You know, <laughs> let them like, learn but, without your But they're like, influence. hey, you have like gifts to contribute with. Yeah. Like learn how to do that. And uh, mm-hmm. um, so that was a big challenge for me. But but we all, even though I had those advantages, there was on one trip when I was like, I got dehydrated mm-hmm. and my like legs stopped working mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and and uh mm-hmm. it was the interesting thing like all of us there was like one girl from the northwest territories in canada mm-hmm. she was like she had no problems at all yeah until like w- one trip when she had like some some stomach aches and like she, mm. it was like we were like should we call this in you know what is this yeah. you know uh, so we all had this experience of being like the weakest one in the group yeah, and uh, extremely humbling. And uh, we had to like carry each other, you know, mm-hmm. through those experiences. We were like, yeah. we don't know where the end objective of this day is. We mm-hmm. kind of like, uh, our instructors know, but they don't, they didn't tell us, you yeah. know. And um, um, there were times when they left us without food, <laughs> you know, uh, to see it's what, hardcore, yeah, it was, uh, it was crazy. And and uh, it was one time we got really stuck in in bad weather. This is like forty days, forty nights in the desert. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> we didn't have that long trips. But one, yeah. the most exhausting trip, and uh, was way uh, way north in Sweden, basically in like uh, Arctic winter conditions, and we mm. were on like telemark skis. Mm. We were gonna set up like a little base camp for a week. And we carried all our stuff out there, food and, and everything. And on our way up, like the weather started getting like worse and worse. The wind started picking up and um, and we we started struggling more and more <laughs> with like we're getting tired and, and uh, the wind started uh, picking up to the point where you, you can't like take your glove off to grab snack yeah, you know get a little frostbite yeah. or something real quick yeah and uh so our instructors like they made the call like okay let's go down um so we were going up in this valley and then it's like let's go down back to a cabin that we they were left like a mountain cabin mm-hmm. it's like a storm shelter yeah. <laughs> essentially yeah um and then we'll go up here tomorrow because even if we make it there we have to set up camp yeah it's gonna be miserable. too cold yeah Somebody could get frostbite, exactly. frostnip at the best case scenario yeah. within and, minutes. Yeah. I mean, and no, no helicopter yeah. could come and get us in that no. weather, you know. Mm-mm. So uh so the decision was made to go back down and you know, by this time we couldn't distinguish the mountains from from the yeah. sky. Visibility's you know, it, it like started bad. like coming yeah. in. You're in a white room. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh so I was like strapped into this sled that we carried like two hundred pounds of our of our supplies. Right. You're tr- you're you're pulling a sled behind you that's yep. strapped to you basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we had our backpacks on top right. of that. And yeah. uh as so I was following um these two guys and they were maybe like 
30 or 40 feet in front of me and they just had like a compass bearing there were no landmarks to follow mm-hmm. <laughs> you know because we couldn't see yeah. uh so we're going like down this hill and uh and it was like ge- pretty gentle you know so it was mm-hmm. not like we're gonna Where you fall could off see. you know yeah <laughs> but <laughs> but you, if you've never yeah. been in that environment where you're like spatial orientation like it messes yeah. with you oh it messes you with don't you know bad. what's like up and down you I've know had that happen yeah. to me man on a mountain <laughs> it's, yeah, it's crazy scary yeah and uh um and all you know as the wind picked up those guys started like disappearing yeah you know visibility's crap and then can't we had to start like leaning against the wind you know to stay Mm -hmm. upright and all of a sudden like this huge gust came and like your hands disappeared in front of you and you're like this is like complete whiteout oh man it it lasted for a few seconds like some of our team like you know fell over completely disoriented for yeah. for those moments you know and uh so we like had to help them up and and uh uh i don't know i can't remember exactly how they felt but i mean it was kind of scary you know oh, those times are super scary but everybody's scared yeah <laughs> but no uh, doubt. in for whatever reason i was like i felt the calmest that yeah. i've ever been in my life yeah and i was like because I kept like thinking to myself, like this is like God in His like garden. He made like mm. all of this, and He's like holding me right now. Mm. And it's like, I'm, I'll take you through this, you mm. know. And uh, uh, so the intensity of it was scary, but you also felt calmness because you felt God was with you at yeah. the same time. And I was going through like some um, my first like heartbreak as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I like this girl that was on that team, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then there was like mutual interest, but then like she said no, and and I had a hard, very hard time with that. And yeah, um, and uh, maybe like I had a hard time than I should have, but it was still there. Hey, man. And, uh, yeah, the heart's <laughs> a tricky thing, you so, know. But basically, like my there was a uh, a time when I I thought like oh, um here's someone that I, uh, that I really like. And I had never, uh, experienced that before that like felt that way before. Yeah. And and especially with someone else liking, like that it's reciprocated. Mm -hmm. And, um, when that kind of fell apart, like my internal world, like shook. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and this experience in the mountains in the snow was like God telling me like, I, I know you, you know, yeah. and uh, um, kind of a Lieutenant Dan moment. No, <laughs> Lieutenant Dan goes. Yeah, off. kind of. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know, no, like, actually, when yeah. I watched that movie after, that, I was like, I know exactly what okay, Lieutenant cool. Dan yeah, is. I like, love that. I right love now. that scene. Yeah, man. I love and, and that it, scene. Um, and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when he's up in the mast. I'm yeah, like, is this all you can do? <laughs> yeah, all you have. <laughs> <It's> all you. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't challenge God in that way. Uh, yeah, there no, it was I, like I was but, going to an extreme, but yeah. kind of trying. You know, there. That's why there's relativity in that scene to mm-hmm. a lot of people is it's how they really feel inside yeah, when absolutely. a storm in your life is happening. It's not actually a physical storm mm-hmm. most of the time, but some kind of storm. Yeah, you know? but that's yeah. like that's the beautiful one of the beautiful things with God that like you cry out to him and mm. like, and he will find you in that storm. You know, mm. it's like, mm. it's such a beautiful thing. And like, I'm just so happy I was given that experience. Cause yeah. then from that experience on, I was like, I want to live 
my life not to be some like I don't know like uh, rich or like intellectual whiz you know in history or whatever like yeah. I I want to be as close to God as I can like mm-hmm. that was like the the best experience of my life like nothing can beat this and uh, and uh, so I, that's when my thoughts like really start changing towards like how do I live a lifestyle that um, where I get to be with him all the time, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, um, so I ended up staying at that Bible school for another year. I helped out like on the maintenance side and I got to help instruct now for that same like outdoor program. Yeah. Learned a ton. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, about awesome. leadership uh, yeah. in hard ways. Like I, yeah. I did a lot of mistakes, but yeah. uh, but it was good good growth for me and it was really during that year that um i i started pursuing like okay what do i use um my talents for like my passion my past you know like where is this like where is god directing me and uh mm-hmm. um excuse me um so so then like you know i thought about the congo and then like mission aviation um and then so i talked with people about it and uh i ended up calling like the swedish office super nervous yeah. <laughs> talking and yeah. it's like hey like where do i where can i get training you know so i just like started exploring the director of that bible school he studied at moody bible institute in um chicago mm-hmm. um probably like i can't remember how how long ago but yeah um so he told me like, hey, Moody Aviation or Moody Bible Institute has a campus, Moody Aviation. Mm-hmm. They're um, one of the best schools in the world for this kind of thing. Like mission so like, aviation. Yeah, that's like their specialty. Yeah. And uh, it turns out that that is in Spokane. So so I applied to that. It's in Spokane? It's in Spokane, yeah. Oh, and I not, thought it was like in Seattle or something no, that you went to. It's, okay, uh, it's out in of Spokane. Spokane. Out of Feltz. Yep. Whoa. And uh, basically, they train people there uh, to be... Wild. Yeah. Right? Oh, uh, cool. Not a lot of people know about it. I thought it. for some reason you were like, and that makes a lot of sense, though, because, I mean, yeah. you, uh, you've been here. <laughs> exactly. I never heard about you living in Seattle, so... Yeah. Yeah, okay. No, they... Um, it's very <laughs> unique for Spokane. Um, That's cool. And uh, so, I mean, my graduating class were like, I think, 12 guys. Oh, really? I think like all but two um either or maybe three um are either abroad in some like third world country yeah um there's some different organizations and uh uh and they're flying out to people that have basically like zero communication with the outside world wow. and to bring them uh life saving supplies obviously we believe that like the greatest hope that you can get is the word of, of God. And mm-hmm. so um, we, we offer that to them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't force it on them. A lot of times these people ask us to come yeah. and like they, they want to know God because mm-hmm. um, they've heard it from someone else. And you mm-hmm. got to understand that these people like live in like crazy, like spiritual darkness. Mm. Like um, there's a movie called Ends of the Earth that mm-hmm. MEF produced, and it describes how they like reached this um, th- this village in Indonesia, and 
one of their practices before they were Christian was when someone would um, get sick. They believed that women had the ability to um, um, like shapeshift into uh, evil spirits. Mm-hmm. So the men would get together and like um, s- seek out an oracle basically. And uh, so they would figure out what woman would was the, the cause of the sickness and then they would go and kill her. Mm. Um, and they were like, we actually do not want to live like this, you know? <laughs> so, um, the people, yeah, they lived in that. like complete fear of yeah. like, uh, spirits and, and, yeah. and, um, that like spiritual entity. And, um, and they were like, we want deliverance from this. And, mm. uh, um, and they were like, we've heard about this, this other, other God, God you yeah. know? And they're like, sure, we will come and tell you about it. And uh, wow. and this process takes a long time. Usually, um, uh, these missionaries live with this tribe for decades um, yeah. to know them, like learn the language, mm-hmm. and uh, and um, they translate the Bible for them into their mm-hmm. language. And these are people that do not have a written language, yeah, at all. Uh, yeah. So it, it it helps them develop in that sense as well, mm-hmm. and uh, get education (laughs) and uh um and we sometimes uh we get critique by people that we're like uh pushing our like worldview or whatever on like others and uh, yeah but the thing is like they're asking us to to explain these things and like um when you're invited right i think that's a that's a different precept in like what christianity does have as far as um some of its history where it's been forceful Mm -hmm. in making people follow god yeah follow jesus and if you don't there's a problem right like we you know you're a heathen you're going to hell because of it whatever Mm -hmm. but i yeah i think the progression of christianity as a whole is nowhere near that way like it used to be you know it's it's not that same way and i think from what I've seen from people that are truly involved in missionary work, they're not, they, from, you know, the ones that I believe in, that's why I support you and that's why I'm having you on, is I know you're coming from a genuine place. It's not a manipulative place. It's not a place of like, oh, you, you know, these people are are heathens that right. need to believe in Jesus. <laughs> oh, we got to change you know them, what I mean? you know. Like it's yeah. because you truly believe Jesus is a good thing for you and others and you want to help people i yeah. think and then like if if they say no they can't yeah you know it's, it's not like, like a forceful yeah. nature that i see with you and what i've you know seen with the research i've done on this maf mission aviation fellowship you know it's mm-hmm. like you guys are hey look we're we're trying to help people and we're, and we're going to spread the word of god too if they want to hear it yeah you know and, and and you're provide kind of, the resources to spread the word as well, like yeah. whether that's Bibles or helping people read. And I think those things are good. Like, I think tribes should maintain their heritage, you know. Mm-hmm. But if they're like all living in a state of fear of like, oh man, who's gonna get sick next because of this weird thing we're doing and we're killing people? Like, exactly. Can we get out of this? Uh-huh. Is there a better way? You know, and um, you know, I, I know Jesus has helped a lot of people. Like. And you can't get away from that fact that the story of Jesus and his teachings are are helpful mm-hmm. for life, you know. Exactly. I mean, you don't have to worship him necessarily, but I, I think that it's good to, you know, respect 
and understand the teachings of Jesus, there's mm -hmm. a lot of wisdom that came from there. And he is somebody that has lasted a long time with what he did in his life. You know, whether you want to call him a God or not, like that's not for me to decide, you know, but my, what I'm taking is the standpoint of like, you can learn from Jesus. Right. You can learn from Jesus. Like mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah. You know, and so I don't think anybody's really going to, it's not going to be an, I don't, I, I really don't see it being too negative. You know, like I, I, I grew up in the church and there was a lot, there was a lot of negativity at the time when I was in the church, a lot <laughs> yeah. of manipulation, mm -hmm. a lot of weird stuff, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, definitely like cultish yeah. vibes. So mm -hmm. I'm like very leery about titling myself as a Christian, but I have maintained a lot of morality, ethics, and different things that I felt were good teachings from the Bible that I still use, you know, and I, yeah. I still read the Bible at times because I, I believe there's a lot of wisdom in that book mm -hmm. that is good Packed. for life, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. But um, so yeah. that being said, you know, I, I don't have any problem supporting you and your family going to do this because I believe... You know, one other thing too is like they're, you know, Christians as a whole is like organizations that are out there trying to help the world. There's a lot of primarily Christians that are involved in that kind of work mm -hmm. and people can be judgmental or whatever they want to say, or you're force, forcing beliefs and culture on these people. And I'm sure in some aspects, there is still truth to that. You know, mm -hmm. but and then there's aspects where I know that's not true. I know yeah. there's a lot of great, amazing Christian people that really genuinely want to share Jesus's love, right? Like the mm -hmm. love that they feel from their relationship with Jesus. They just want to share that and help others to have that feeling too. Exactly. And I think that's the side that you fall on. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And that's a good point. It's like, um, uh, we're all, different organizations or whatever are different in in their methods and mm -hmm. there's some that we do not agree with their methods right so um, and, and uh um and then you know we try to show them like maybe this is like a better like holistic way to to serve people mm -hmm. um you know we've we focus a lot on like building relationships and it's it's through that that we that we can serve and also see what what needs actually exist, you know, so that, mm -hmm. um, so we were serving people in a, in a proper and honoring way, um, to lift them up, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, cause there's a lot of charity work, including like Christian, um, mission work that is, um, not always super helpful in the no. long run, you yeah, know, it's yeah. Um, you know, if people become like dependent on that, well, mm -hmm. then how are they going to stand on their own feet? Yeah. You know, uh, so now you have to, uh, stay, you know, I don't have a great concrete example of that, but yeah, I don't, and I don't yeah. think we need to go no. there necessarily, but people that have grown idea. up <laughs> yeah. in the Christian world, they mm -hmm. will have had experienced that. And yeah. that's going to be a lot of people. I mean, it just is so unfortunately has been intrinsic in that world and it i think it always will because there's people involved in it yeah exactly. and that's just what it is and like, we make mistakes too yeah, you know it's just like we try to learn from that and, mm -hmm. and move on yeah um, 
and uh, learn how to um, repair those relationships when when we hurt people and because uh, um, exactly that's like part Christian of Christian or human. not you've done the same thing <laughs> yeah exactly. you know to somebody <laughs> yeah. you have like uh-huh. we all do it it's just like we might not do it under the Christian guise right right but mm-hmm. you, you you've done it we all do it exactly. we're all guilty of that so you know we can all point the finger mm-hmm. or you can just take accountability you know, yeah. and and live your life by example, but you're going to make those types of mistakes where you manipulate somebody for your benefit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's not any person that doesn't do that, mm-hmm. you know? And so yeah. like, you know, Christians aren't the problem. It's us as a whole. Like yeah. we're all part <laughs> we're all of the human. problem, yeah. right? You know? Yeah. At least that's and my point of view. That's yeah, my g- point of view. Exactly. No, so. I agree. Like we, from, I I think that, you know, we we live in a fallen world when we have a very... Um, yeah. we're quick to to do bad things you know yeah. and um it comes uh, very easy <laughs> and yeah. it's and it's hard to fight um evil mm-hmm. you know even in yourself and uh mm-hmm. um and that's Definitely. like that's why i need god yeah. because he is good i'm not Gives good of my, myself yeah, yeah. I'm like without God, I don't even want to think of like where I would be. You yeah. know, so um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good, man. I like yeah, that. We'll keep moving on the story, though. Yeah. So I have a, I have a question. Sure. This this is going to be an interesting one. I I thought of this just now uh, <laughs> while we were talking. I, I think it's a great question. You coming from one of the most notorious prestigious countries in the world and coming <laughs> kind to of Spokane Washington kind of yeah. what did you think when you got here man <laughs> what, what what were your thoughts how rough was it or how awesome was it what did you love what did you hate i came in august in 2013 okay, and i was like month. it's hot hot yeah don't get yeah. that hot in sweden no <laughs> cuz you guys are kind of pretty far north up there yeah it's pretty mild yeah, yeah, pretty mild. And uh, like seventies in the summer, eighties, yeah, like eighty, but not a hundred. Not a hundred. Yeah, no. that would be like people would be like, get out of here. Yeah, but <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I've, that was my first impression. It's okay. hot. hot. <laughs> you know, it's like, and uh, and um, what year was this? Two thousand eight, thir- thirteen. Oh, two thousand thirteen. Because we played on, soccer like from two thousand. 15 at least I yeah guess. it took me like a couple of years to get to know the soccer yeah. community yeah okay. <laughs> and get involved but yeah um but yeah coming up on on 10 years now which is pretty crazy um wow. so uh, yeah i was like it's hot i don't know where to go to to do stuff you know so uh, mm-hmm. the school did a good job at like introducing us to like how things work you know how to get a cell phone and like and all these things and um um, and it was very helpful having that I've lived in a different part of the world, kind of being ready that like things will look and feel different, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, when you shift cultures, uh, there's something called like culture shock, right. which is like you're kind of on a on a high for like um, a few months, mm-hmm. where like things is are exciting and like you're eager to learn and like Mm -hmm. people are different, you know, Mm -hmm. and then you're in, then you come to like a 
kind of a slump, like a depression yeah, when you're like, home. this kind of like sucks. Mm. Like, why, <laughs> why does this work this way? You know? Yeah. And it's very yeah. natural. Like, yeah. uh, um, even people who moved within the United States, I think have experienced that. Oh, and, for sure. And yeah. it's like, um, and, uh, yeah. So I loved how, how people, it was very easy to get in touch with people. Like mm. people will, will, you know, spark up like conversation with you, like randomly. That's like, you don't do that in Sweden. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you wait for the bus and you're all like, uh, six feet apart. So when the, when the COVID hit and like, you, you're supposed to like stay six feet apart from people. Like, and we're like, we've been doing that for 2000 <laughs> years, you know? Um, that's funny. Yeah. So, wow. Uh, so Swede, Swedes aren't very... They're not uh, initially like super warm. Kind of stay uh, to themselves a yeah. bit. Mm. But once you have a relationship established, then you have it. Yeah. Um, and those are people to count on. Yeah. Uh, so uh, while here it's like I struggled with like knowing who's my friend. You yeah, know? you have a lot of people that act like they're your friends, yeah. but they're not really there for you a lot yeah, of times kind of. yeah so it, it was mm. that was tricky to to navigate so you kind of learned like okay like this is how americans do it you know yeah. and and there you gotta look for different signs you know like yeah. um so that was that was tough to learn um mm. Um, and I'm still learning it. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. so. Because uh, that's life. You. How old were you when you moved here? So that would be like ten years ago. Twenty-two. So really, quite young. Wow. Yeah. Mm. I think it was. Yeah, twenty thirteen. I was born in ninety one. Yeah, twenty two. Mm-hmm. And um, but no, I felt like really welcomed here. You know, yeah. um, people are very curious about foreigners or at least yeah. me um no i think that's and, true in spokane mostly yeah. yeah and uh uh you know they like my accent yeah yeah mm-hmm. um, and uh and they were curious about sweden too yeah. um what life is like there and um but yeah i think i think those were the some of the biggest oh yeah and also it was weird not having a car for like in in America. So it's, yeah, yeah, um, that is weird here. It's like everybody yeah. has. A so in Sweden, you car. can get around like there's like bicycle paths everywhere, and mm-hmm. you can um, you take the bus everywhere, and um, and having a car is quite expensive. So mm-hmm. not unless you like really needed one. Yeah, you had one, you know, and most families do, but. Like have here, one amongst everybody yeah. kind of situation mm-hmm. more. Yeah. But it was strange to like talk to people uh, here and like they didn't really know their neighbors. You mm-hmm. know, I was like, that's kind of crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, but then like watching how some, not everybody, of course, but like how some people do, you know, they, you get in your car inside your garage, you open the garage door, you drive to work. You know, there's in some other place in, in town, you know, mm-hmm. and you drive to the grocery store. So, like, I describe it, I try to think of it as, like, people live in islands, you mm-hmm. know, and then, but you don't really interact with any space in between these islands. Exactly. And uh, and to me, that was pretty isolating. It you know? is. And it's hard. Um, yes. I don't like it either, no. man. I've always noticed that, and I don't like it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's like... 
so it was kind of a, a different type of like coldness mm-hmm. in a way, you know? Yeah. Once you were in front of someone, then it was like, oh yeah, hi, like how's it going? Yeah. How's the kids, you know, and all that yeah. stuff. But, right. um, but you're not coming to my house. Yeah, it all depends on the person. Yeah, it depends. Like, I'm uh, just teasing, but yeah. yeah. Um, Good to see you, but you're not invited for dinner. All right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Then, those are those are some good insights. I always, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I think something more I want to ask on this sh- podcast is like what people love and don't love about Spokane. I know. Maybe the don't love part will cause some controversy, but I mean, these are like real topics that I think need to be talked about because we all talk about what we love and what we don't love about Spokane with our friends. Like we all do. So (laughs) you can't, I mean, like we shouldn't judge each other for our point of view of putting it out there. I don't feel, you know, and I know Mm -hmm. people will, but that, that's, that's their opinion. I think it's good to talk about it and it's probably good for it to stir up some stuff, you know, like, I kind of feel like, yeah, I'm going to stir it up. Let's stir it up, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, <laughs> Let's go, controversy. You know? Yeah. you know, that's why I'm saying for the love of the city, I don't say, you know, I love Spokane. I say yeah. for the love of Spokane because I, I believe in the greater good, but there's yeah. things I don't, you know, a person that runs a brand that represents cities and towns, like there's still things I don't love about Spokane. Yeah, But I'm also not too involved yet in changing things i'm just like figuring that out and starting to try to get city chapters involved with things like that and you know talking with people like you though you're you're going you know to the congo but you're somebody that's seeking to actually be intrinsically involved in making a change Mm -hmm. you know and that's important for me to have you on because yes you're you you know you've been in Spokane 10 years you're a part of our community and now you're you're going on a mission elsewhere so you're somebody still from our community that's trying to make a difference yeah and that's important and um you know I just want to have more individuals like yourself you know and individuals that are um you know also involved in Spokane making changes on the podcast so I can better learn how I can get involved because I think that's a big calling for me that Mm -hmm. I need to get involved with, you know, it's like, how do I be of service to help better my environment? I'm also interested in traveling and I've looked up things, not Christian based, but things to be like, go help elsewhere, right? Where people really need help. And I, I had an experience when I was in Mexico, I did this like ATV tour in the jungle, the Mayan jungle, but they have like a, uh, uh, aspect to this. This was down in Playa del Carmen. I think it's called Playa del Carmen buggies. If you're ever down there and you want to do this, but, um, I'm talking to the people also Alfred, if you're <laughs> down in Mexico, like fun, yeah. <laughs> whatever, but, um, you take this buggy tour, but they take you to a little village out in the middle of the Mayan uh, jungle. So mm-hmm. on the way you like go to a few cenotes, like you, you know, do that whole thing. You're mobbing these buggies through the jungle, but then you come to this village, and it's a very, you know, poor village, I guess. Right? I don't know 
how that's kind of like what i hate saying poor but right. they live out in the middle of the jungle it's very simple they need help like, with food yeah. and stuff at times yeah. right and mm-hmm. i and i don't know how much naturally they get the, and gather their own food i don't know all those things i was only there for maybe half an hour in the village right. <laughs> but they're shacks you know uh-huh. makeshift shacks you know um they have a cool beautiful school that was built by a nonprofit out there and it's a very beautiful colorful school this buggy um, company, you know, brings a nonprofit aspect where you go there and you can buy bags of food and then you hand them out to the women of the village. Mm. And, uh, you know, that some of the young children are there too. But, you know, all the young children I seen were having a blast. They're playing soccer, whatever, having fun, smiles, you know, ear to ear. And, um, you know, the the mothers were very gracious and, you um, you know, we talked to a few of the men, but, you know, I think they kind of, you know, there's always also that pride thing with men where, yeah. you know, the, the women are more the ones that are like willing to receive this mm-hmm. kind of help, right? And take it back to the family. Yeah. But uh, it was like my first glimpse of something that I know I've been wanting to get involved with. And, you know, this is more like a tourist thing, you right. know? And yeah. so, you know, you kind of feel a little weird because it's like... <laughs> You know it going into it. It's not like they surprise you with yeah. this. Like uh-huh. it's a part of the thing, and they let you know that. And um, but you know, like seeing the smiles of just helping these people, because like mm-hmm. the women, they genuinely were like very happy that another round of tourists are coming through, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Giving them food because we have money, and and they don't have the resources like that. And um, so it was it was like a mind opener for yeah. me because I was like the first time being in a really remote village that was like way out in the middle of nowhere and these people live off very little exactly you know and it was really cool it touched me and and since then it's like all right i gotta i gotta figure out more ways that i can get city chapters involved you know and And it's things it's wise to be um slow Mm -hmm. yeah um so um, may I spark a little bit of controversy? Yeah, like said, yes, okay. yes, please, <laughs> so, please do. So I, I read a, a book called uh, Toxic Charity, and uh, mm. it basically talks about like how how to do charity well, mm. and uh, and some examples of like how it, how it's done poorly. And uh, I thought of like one story when you told about like handing out rice and why you could interact with the women but not with the men very yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, so in this book, it describes how they did like. Um, christmas gift giveaway to families who could not afford getting gifts you know mm. so they came to these houses and they like gave gifts to the kids and and the family and stuff but the dads were never there yeah and because it was like and they were like why are, like the dads came when they left yeah. you know and yeah. uh and for the dads it was such a shameful, shameful. thing yeah that it's like they could not afford presents for their own family for yeah. them to have like a, a good christmas time you know yeah. they had to rely on these other people you know so so mm-hmm. the author of this book he was like so we they started like changing this model that they had this like uh, some type of secondhand store instead that the the men could come and like volunteer and they would like build up like credits in the store so that they can like earn these presents and then they would bring them themselves to their families you know and that was like a um and then their relationships with these families just like 
was yeah. so much better. Way you know? more. Yeah. Um, so it's like, um, and uh, yeah, I just thought about that. No, I do. I, I love that. Move slow. That's yeah. something that I, I'm very, I have been very leery too about like bringing in this aspect of how to help people mm-hmm. because like I said, manipulation. Yeah. Like, oh hey, yeah, we're a we're a company that gives back, you know, like yeah. we're we're helping <laughs> out. Like you you see so much of this this social for profit business model that it's like you gotta be very careful very on careful. how you approach that and yeah. what you wanna be involved with and like, you know, really are you in the are you really in the trenches too? Like just giving money is one thing mm-hmm. and that can be helpful. Yeah. But you know, also being actually in the trenches, actually there with the people is mm-hmm. important to me too. Yeah. And uh yeah, I've been, you know, I'm definitely approaching it slow. And that's why I haven't started in anything yet. It's like I I've put the word out there on mm-hmm. a podcast before and maybe a few others and people that I know close that I've talked with, like that is a part of my mission my game plan i just don't know where i want to go yet like Mm -hmm. what really do i want to be involved with you know there's a lot of things that need help but like what is gonna be my calling in that in that world it could be multiple different aspects but um i want to make sure obviously that it comes from authentic genuine place and and I, you know, and that's the other thing too, like you don't want to embarrass people that need help. Right. And right. I think there's a lot of that, that goes on, like people, like wh- whether it's like someone on, you know, trying to document how they give to people on the streets or whatever, like they got their right. iPhone with them and they're giving something to a homeless person. Like, you know, yeah. that homeless person really doesn't want to be on camera, man. Exactly. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of that. Like you, I think you got to. For me, it's like you don't have to put everything out there for people to see. Uh It happened. That's all that matters. You gave and you were there for that person. That's all that matters. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be like, hey, look, you know, look at what I'm doing for the world. Like, I I think that's there's a lot of negativity that can come with that aspect of you trying to show people that you are helping people. Exactly. You know, so. Yeah. It comes back to your heart and like what, what your intent is, you know, and like. If you yeah. show it off too much, then people will be like, what What are yeah. you actually doing? What's your real yeah. intention here? Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. Um, no, that's good. I think, yeah, I, like, I want to say, like, help, to bring help to someone is, like, first of all, it's personal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's good right. to be, like, have your own, uh, what do you call it, um, investment, like, mm-hmm. to be invested. And, uh um what do you call it skin in skin in the game skin in the game it's one of those uh, american idioms that i struggled with before you know it's like (laughs) yes i'm like i'm learning you know how to to talk that's good um yeah but uh um at the same time you gotta let people know what you're doing too exactly and and there's that part too you gotta Mm -hmm. let people know what you're doing that's why you're on here you know It's like to be able to share with people what you're doing. Yeah. And people, you got to do that too. So, it, it, you know, that balance is is uh, um, sensitive, I think. Exactly. So, yeah, I can I can touch on that a little bit. So so basically what, what we're doing now in our 
So we sign up with MEF and uh, what we're doing now is that we're building like a, a team that will support us in, mm -hmm. in what we're doing. So, um, so, and that's on multiple aspects. Like obviously like we need to reach like a financial goal to go, but we also need other help, you know? Mm -hmm. like, um, I mean, we believe in the power of prayer, so we need people to, to pray for us. And, uh, um, but uh, with that, what we do to communicate back is we send out like reports basically like this is what we were involved in mm -hmm. uh these are the things uh that we're seeing happening in congo and this is how we're like uh helping people so it so it is like a way of accountability what you're talking about like yeah we don't want to just be entrusted with a with a ton of money or whatever and mm -hmm. then not report back you know yeah. it's like uh, we want to know, like from you, you know, you're one of our supporters now, which we're mm. super thankful for and thrilled about. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, and you're like, well, I, I'll contribute to your uh, financial goals. But then, like, you're like, well, I want to help you spread this to other people, you know. So, so that's like one way to help us out, you know. Yeah. And uh, um, definitely, man. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, um, I just figured having you on like for the people that just follow my podcast you know it's not a huge following but we're mm -hmm. getting there and we're still early on and starting this thing but yeah. um i just figure you know who knows who could by chance listen exactly. right and yep. then it's also a good way for you to share with people you won't be able to sit down with personally you mm -hmm. know like maybe it's a person you know but like you're not able to you know whatever it's a good way for somebody to be able to hear more about what you're doing i guess this is a good time to transition more into maf and what you're doing yeah. you know and so because sure. i know that's the important part of why we had you on uh one question is though on the moody aviation school how long was that course it's uh, a program five-year program five years mm -hmm. okay so you you do like a first a one year of um gen ed so you get a bachelor's degree in science and mm -hmm. uh so gen ed stuff, uh, you, you do some like uh, Bible courses mm -hmm. um, and then you do, now they've changed it a little bit, but basically it's like two years of um, mechanic school. So you get a, a, what they call an airframe and power plant mechanics license. So you can work on the airplane All right. and then two years of um, either more maintenance if you uh, want to be a maintenance specialist yeah. or if you want to be a flight specialist, you do two years of flight school. So you get yeah. your private license, commercial, and uh, instrument rating there. And uh, nice. uh, it's a tough program. Yeah. Like we, we have enough, when you graduate, you have enough credits that you would have had like a master's or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't really know. Yeah. Uh, but... But it's we a thorough program. It is, yeah. yeah. We averaged like so full time student it was like thirteen credits, I think. We averaged between like eighteen and twenty two per mm. semester. So it was tough. Mm. And um uh but yeah, it was good. Um and then it, yeah, just to finish like the story till we're till now, met my wife in twenty eighteen, no, twenty sixteen. Mm -hmm. We got married in in uh, 2018, uh, same year I graduated, and uh, um, basically when I met her, uh, it was like if if we are to get married, <laughs> you know, yeah. I was pretty straightforward. Like I knew yeah. 
like your dad uh, was with your mom yeah kind of uh <laughs> it's like yeah this is like this the, is the deal doing. breaker yeah, yeah i'm doing this um if if you want to do it yeah if you want to do it with me uh let's see if this if we can work you know this, if we're yeah. fit you know yeah. and uh if, if we're a good match and um and she and Oh yeah, a little bit about her story too. So she had a like kind of a parallel story to mine. I wish she could be here to like talk yeah. about it as well. But yeah. she, uh, so she had a, a calling like to be a missionary, and she, uh, um, uh, hopefully I don't mess her title up. But basically, she's a teacher as a second language, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you can teach that pretty much anywhere. But she, uh, when she went to college she it was like a missions conference and there was a they saw a video of a missionary who had lived in congo for for a very long time uh her name was helen rosevere and uh she uh had kind of been like adopted into as congolese i think she's english maybe i can't remember Mm -hmm. um Sorry if, okay, I might have messed it up. Maybe she's Irish and I like totally insulted her. But um, uh, you can clip this out yeah. of the <laughs> podcast. But no, uh, uh, so she lived there. And, and the, the one of the reasons why they adopted her in was because she, uh, she suffered with them. So she was like raped multiple times. Mm. And through that, like it opened up doors for her to like um, be heavily involved in the in the community uh, as a missionary to, to uh, talk about the love that is offered by, by Jesus. And also they founded like a, um, a hospital there, like where she was very involved in that. And that hospital is, is right next to the, the, an MEF base in Congo that uh, originally was the base that we were going to be sent to. Um, so just like that is, is pretty yeah. cool uh, that that was like such a strong, um, you know, sense of like uh, calling for her, mm-hmm. and now when we got this assignment just last year mm-hmm. that we're going to East Congo or the eastern part of the DRC, and uh, and their base is like right next to this hospital that um, Helen Rosevere like helped uh, um, establish, yeah, basically. establish. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, and then also with her uh, teaching backgrounds so um she after like teaching english she taught in japan for a while and then she taught here in in the um for for refugees refugees here in in spokane and um but she was like if we go out to a country i don't want to teach them english you know i want to teach them how to read and and write in their own language Hmm. and uh um and just so when we joined MEF, we, we got our assignment that, there and then, and then uh, and we were pretty excited, really excited about uh, Congo. And then just like a month afterwards, we heard that like that team that we're gonna join, uh, they started a, a a literacy course in Swahili for like uh, mostly women mm-hmm. who had fled from their villages and now live outside of Bunia, the town that we will be living in as internally displaced people, mm-hmm. basically refugees. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
they're not called refugees because they haven't crossed an international border, but it's yeah. the same thing. Um, yeah. And uh, so they started this like six month school for them. And uh, we were like, well, this is like perfect. Like um, her like talents and gifts are like coming into play at the same time. So, wow. um, so we were excited about that. Like, and um, it, it just seemed to be like these things that like God is like weaving together in our stories and uh, mm-hmm. and hopefully we can so when you use these when you things. gave her the ultimatum she's like well <laughs> that's actually your ultimatum yeah so i guess we're gonna be all right yeah exactly yeah because <laughs> no, i'm she, going she was uh no <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> are you yeah yeah are you ready you know well i had a question yeah. which was kind of tied in the jewel um, your wife, I was like, so she served on previous missions, right? And has been in Japan and, and did some other places like in, uh, Israel, I think. And like, she, uh, she was, she was like, in a, like an intern, yeah, uh, some it was kind like of, a, it was one of those like, uh, trips to op- open your perspectives, yeah. you know? So it was very like kind of short term mm-hmm. in various places. But, but she's, yeah, been, Israel in, was she's one. been in a few places yep. mm-hmm. um, around the world. And, yep. um, so I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, do you feel God has brought you two together to serve in the DRC? And you've kind of already touched on that. I yeah. mean, it seems like there's so many um, signals from God that are like showing you both like, and now have joined your life together to go right. do this mission. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah. And that's like, uh, we do seems very special, you know. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just like, so what we didn't know about her her and my like experiences with like you know getting to know the congo you know in 10 years ago mm-hmm. we didn't know those things about each other until after we got our assignment so we didn't even like take those things into account really oh yeah so so that's I'd, interesting so they um in in our training and stuff they encouraged us to like you know, learn to tell your story, like how mm-hmm. you came to this point. So we were like telling it to each other and we were like, wait, we have like two very parallel stories. Mm. All right, let's get into MAF. Sure. And uh, so once again, that's Mission Aviation Fellowship, uh, also known as MAF. Um, but no, we haven't been there yet. Yeah. So, so. Um, I know you haven't been, but I know you've been doing your research. Mm-hmm. What are some of the issues and problems that are happening in the Congo, what are yeah. some of the major um, conflicts? Yeah, what you know, I know there's a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of notorious for being known for a lot going on there. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know much, you know, other than what you've shared and a little bit of what I've seen from like a movie and stuff. I, exactly, yeah. I've seen a... a child soldier movie and i've read a book about child soldiers too mm-hmm. and uh like you said when you were in high school i was like man it's like what do you do you know like and you know i didn't take the path you did but right. i i have some awareness of how bad it can be over mm-hmm. there yeah um so yeah just share us like what what you know more of like your calling there and like why you feel you need to go there what's happening there and uh yeah why you feel god has taken you there mm-hmm. i think uh one of the the first like draws back in like those high school days was to help those who are forgotten and suffering uh those were like the two the two things and uh and that was mainly why 
I was like, Congo, they, the Congolese, like if you watch documentaries and like, they will say like, we're a suffering people. If we talk about like the Eastern half of the country, um, um, there's, um, about like 120, what we know, like armed, uh, groups mm -hmm. that are involved in this conflict. Uh, some and they're of them, all separate groups with their own agenda. Yeah. A lot of them are like local, like militias just yeah. trying to defend themselves, you mm -hmm. know, um, that they've established, but there's, uh, all sorts, uh, and these are kind of like tribal factors almost or some, yeah. yeah, it's, it's so complicated. You have the whole spectrum and many of them are extremely violent, uh, kidnap people, molest people or like rape people. They have what they call a rape warfare yeah, where they specifically target women and really it, it obviously like destroys the, the, the woman in, uh, targeted, but it also destroys the family. Mm -hmm. It destroys any type of like uh, opportunities to for this woman to find a husband, mm -hmm. um, or if she has one, yeah, the, he leave will her. probably leave. Yeah. Yep, and uh, uh, so she's left on her own, and uh, it destroys communities, it just and, destroys the community fabric, yeah. and that and that really is, is what what these groups are after, yeah. you know, because uh, then they can es establish their own. Uh, dominance really. mm -hmm. um so it's it's like deeply tragic and um on top of that like um they have ill-maintained roads it's basically a part of the world that is uh regressing in development mm -hmm. like the ro the roads are getting worse like yeah. uh, there's communities that are getting more isolated like mm -hmm. from year to year um and uh very few people care about them or even know that they are there yeah despite all this uh is that like uh, they sit on uh, massive treasures mm -hmm. uh there's like uh gold diamonds there's huge reserves of like natural resources it's like uh, coltan and the cobalt that mm -hmm. we use in like our electrical equipment mm -hmm. so um it's um like 70 percent of all the cobalt in the world comes from congo mm -hmm. and uh um so they should you know by all these like natural resources they should be like one of the richest countries in the world yeah um but uh through like the conflict and difficult to like establish any like um industry industry or structure uh these source resources are like uh sucked out of the country transported somewhere else and uh um other people make profit of it so so the people living next to these mines are extremely poor yeah and uh and it's you know the only paved road in the town is the road that goes from the mine to the airport mm -hmm. and that's where they like ship ship this stuff away mm. so it's uh so there's like a lot of ex i don't know lack of better word but it's like extortion almost like yeah uh, in the fat well maybe extortion is not the right word but let's just say there's big mining companies that are getting resources from there and they're not yeah. building up the industry or the, the community economy the there yeah. they're taking it they have their agreements with whoever to do whatever they want to do there mm -hmm. and they're paying those people yep. off but those people are getting rich 
none of the people there are getting rich. Yeah. And they're just... And they're like for-profit companies, yeah. so they do yeah. not have any... They don't care about the people. Exactly. Just like big yep. corporations, we all know, like, they don't care about mm-hmm. the people. Yep. I mean, not every big corporation, but most of them, especially mm-hmm. ones in the natural resources game. Like, exactly. Yeah. They're notorious for doing whatever they got to do to get whatever they want. Yeah. And I don't, like, mean to, like, stir up, like... uh um, too much like controversy, but these are just like yeah. the facts. This you is know? what's going on, exactly. Yeah. And uh, and uh, a lot of these minerals are used in uh, our uh, electronics. So basically, like every, I would say, almost every person, um, in in the world who has owned an electronic device has a piece of Congo in them uh yeah, or like we in talk the, about in the blood device. diamonds right but exactly it's like you should yeah. talk about uh yeah. blood um like cobalt, cobalt. or whatever you want to <laughs> yeah. call it yeah yeah blood yeah. electronics whatever. and this is what yeah. they uh use for you know build your um batteries for electrical vehicles mm-hmm. and stuff like that so is it, there a lot of lithium there too uh not that I know of, but mm-hmm. now they Just they can't. use cobalt a lot in, yeah, in, for uh, sure. yeah. in batteries. So it's like a vital mm-hmm. component to uh, build this like new infrastructure that we're striving for in the West. And it's causing like massive humanitarian disasters in places like Congo. Right. And uh, these companies also do not care about the environment. And I'm sure um, it's terrible for the waters. Oh, yeah. And There's like, rivers that are utterly yeah. poisoned. There's no fish in some of these waters anymore. And that's how farmland is getting lived. destroyed. Yeah. And uh, and they're seeing massive amounts of like birth defects now mm-hmm. from, from kids. I was going to say, um, the water. And, yeah. yeah. So they're still like researching about this. If you want to know more about that, like there's documentaries yeah. uh, that are free on YouTube where they're like kind of highlighting these things. I encourage anyone to um to look into it mm-hmm. um because um i don't want to i don't like instilling like guilt and like oh if you own like a computer that yeah that, yeah that's not the point yeah. i but we ought to be aware yeah, of like no, how how good. these things work and you don't you know? want to misspeak and i under and i respect that because it's like you know there's a lot going on over there. It'd be hard to <laughs> yeah. be an expert in all these different things yeah, that I, you've mentioned that are, you know, exactly ha- happenings over there. So, yeah. So we're hoping yeah. for a change. You know, we yeah. uh, if people get aware of it, like um, the the problem is that these companies have said that they've like changed, but then it turns out that they haven't. No. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it's very convoluted. It's very deep. Yeah, you know, the a lot of work to be done. Over yeah, there. exactly. A lot of help needed. So, so we like, um, uh, so the the role that like we play in the Congo, um, so the roads are like extremely bad. Um, mm-hmm. There's no like you know uh, infrastructure of communication uh, to speak of in large parts of the country, and then. Um, due to the ongoing conflicts, it's very dangerous to travel by road. There are some really good documentaries that are free on YouTube about like um, uh, truck drivers in the Congo, like trying to traverse these like mud roads. Mm-hmm. It's the highway, you know, mm-hmm. and then like there's uh, they're stuck in in like a, a mud puddle, you know, yeah. and it's, it's a jungle road, yeah, right? and 
And it's not the trucks that some of them use are like, no, it's like an eight wheel drive, like military truck, you mm -hmm. know, and it's getting stuck, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know. So this, as uh, uh, they travel in teams, like mm -hmm. there's a driver and then there's like five mechanics mm -hmm. and their main job is to like help to dig the truck out when it mm -hmm. gets stuck. So in, in, in certain areas to, to get like 50 miles can take up to like three weeks. Uh, wow. Um, That's big, yeah. So, um, so to get supplies around is a huge challenge, and then it's uh, dangerous. It's dangerous. They get robbed, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, you know, one one truck driver describes that like one of the most dangerous things to transport are mattresses because <laughs> really? the groups, the the violin, some of the groups that live out there are. Uh, they need places to sleep, you mm -hmm. know, so whenever there's a transport with mattresses, they like jump on it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, yeah. And, um, so, so especially when it comes to like immediate care, like, uh, um, you know, let's say there's a medical, um, uh, emergency, where where will they go? You know, you can't travel like a week to the closest hospital. Yeah. So that that's a big part that we do. Um, there is taking people to hospitals. Yeah, um, quickly. Yeah, and then uh, we help different like community leaders and and uh, to get to the places that need to go. A lot of them are involved in uh, in in churches mm -hmm. um, um, to build uh, communities and. And to um, uh, educate people in in different ways, we uh, let's see. Um, I know you guys established a, a a place for women that have been raped to get educated, yeah, and like um, kind of help them be reintroduced in the society and right. giving them skill sets to be able to have a job and yeah. and do things of that nature, which is yeah. really so awesome. So you're talking about uh, the Ponzi Hospital. Mm -hmm. uh, you can like look up stories on their website as well. It's spelled the P-A-N-Z-I uh, Hospital. Um, they tell stories of this this war and the, the stuff that they've been uh, part of. Um, so this hospital is treated like over 85,000 women now. Uh, we didn't start it, but we partnered yeah, with them. Partner. Um, so we basically help them expand their area of care. So we uh, fly in, um, you know, mostly women um, to this facility where they can, you know, they get um, a lot of times they need like mm. restorative surgeries, yeah, you know, medical, yeah, immediate like yeah. medical help. Yeah. Um uh, trauma counseling and they uh, get like training in, in a, a, a skill or a trade mm -hmm. so that they can um, re-enter society because after this has happened they're they're outcasts you know yeah. no, nobody wants them and it, just to show that they have value they have like intrinsic like uh, value mm -hmm. <laughs> um, we hope to slowly like change the stigma around this yeah um yeah, it's and uh, um, sometimes like the, the stigma is like half the the tragedy, you know. Uh, mm. Yeah, it is right. I mean, 
to be abandoned after you were forcibly raped. Exactly. And then yeah. to be shunned because of that. That's mm-hmm. like, what? Why would you do yeah. that to that person? Because like, it wasn't need, their fault. Yeah, it's you not know? their fault. They need love and support right now, mm-hmm. not to be. But cultural differences and things that we can't understand exist, you know, mm-hmm. over there. And, yeah, hopefully, you know, that can be broken because that, that would help their tactic not to be as effective exactly you know yeah. like so that's how we can defeat them you know and i don't know anything you know i just I'm, I, this is a perspective of mine mm-hmm. i'm not a professional in these matters or anything i right. you know and only really women that have been raped can be considered anybody that knows anything about that world you know yeah and any person raped, you know, obviously women aren't the only ones that are raped, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is a good I don't point. mean unfortunately, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you know, everybody yeah, gets raped, you, you know, and <laughs> yeah. no matter your. Um, Cause that's another thing, yeah. like with a, with a man, like in that culture, you're supposed to be like a, a strong as a man. Right. So you don't talk about that stuff right. at all. So yeah. they actually treated some men too. Yeah. And, for uh, sure. Um, yeah, so to break that stigma too uh, yeah, might be something in our future as well. But uh, um, so that's like a um, a glimmer of hope, you know, that there are yeah. um, people who are standing up and like doing incredible things. And another uh, awesome things that I'm like always get excited about talking about is uh, this group of pastors and they fly into highly hostile areas and they try to mediate peace between warring tribes. Mm. And uh, they've seen like people cease hostility between each other. And and they also like go out to areas that have been very plagued by by war and different atrocities to, uh, um, you know, give them soul counseling. Um, And... Uh, help people to seek reconciliation and mm-hmm. and forgiveness. You know, to forgive someone without being able to say it to that person yeah. is is quite difficult. You know, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, they do incredible work. Um, but so also, you'll wanna, be flying these people yeah, to these locations. Uh-huh. And and, uh, and now since it's like hard to travel at all, we actually fl- there's some days we just fly people to get to one place to another. Yeah. Because um, um, it's nearly and impossible. Like the whole, the whole spectrum of, of to people, take really. the road. So you guys are flying leaders. Mm-hmm. You're picking people up for yeah. medical attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, delivering i'm imagining goods at times in emergency situations yeah. or oh, yeah, provisions that, and right they have these you know outbreaks of like ebola and and all these like tropical delivering medicine yep we do supply runs for them so that's you know you mentioned that we partner with worldwide we we partner with over like 400 identified like organizations and yeah. uh, i can't remember the exact number in in uh congo, in congo but but yeah like uh we support a lot of like um yeah medical yeah. efforts to um yeah yeah to help and yeah <laughs> so that Save people won't people, die you, <laughs> you know? know yeah um and uh uh yeah they're in an extremely tough situation uh, on multiple levels and uh 
Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. I do want to um, mention too, like we don't just do like the flying. So in in Bunia, where we operate from, so we had to uh, our team had to evacuate from um, uh, the base that we were originally at to Bunia a couple of years ago um, because of the conflict, and then um, we um, um, or and. In around Bunia, there's like more than hundred thousand internally displaced people who had fled from their villages, basically with their lives, you know, yeah. and nothing else. And they live in like tarp tents, mm -hmm. you know, around the city. And um, uh, and no one really had the means or 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 could care for them. So uh, our team there started to reach out to them. Uh, started like a sewing classroom uh, mm -hmm. so we hired like local sewing teachers so that they mm -hmm. can uh, build skill into uh, this community so they can mm -hmm. get jobs in mm -hmm. town um, train like pastors to with um, basically uh, uh, like trauma counseling um, training mm -hmm. for them and uh, and now just uh, this last year this uh, um uh, literacy uh, class as well in in their own language. Yeah. So, Which so your it's wife like, is going to be a part of that. Uh, ho hopefully, hopefully. Uh, it kind of depends. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we have um, kids, so yeah, I think like exactly the, there's the a focus first there. Yeah. So we want to be there long term. Mm -hmm. You know, um, till we retire or or whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, so we're gonna. Take it slow yeah, and see no like rush, where right. we fit in, yeah. you know, and uh, see what our capacities are. Because yeah, moving there will be its own challenge. One, <laughs> you know? one challenge right there, yeah. right? So, so yeah, so you guys are uh, MAF is involved. Obviously, we're in the community where it's basis centered. You're helping mm -hmm. around with your direct community, and you're having your missions where you're flying out and delivering goods and delivering people that need to get to certain places and yep. doing a, a, so the aviation work, but then obviously you guys aren't just hanging out when you're back in town, you're doing yeah. other types of work for the mm -hmm. community there and the people that are, for lack of a better term, the refugees or right. uh, displaced people from the conflicts. Exactly. Um, yeah. And there's like a million people that live in that area, right? In the in, in Bunia, in yeah. Bunia. It's like a big village. Yeah. I mean, there's like it's not there's like a one, city. There's not like tall buildings. It's No. They have like one more, grocery store, well, okay. you know. What we've been told. And, right. and uh like two restaurants, you know. Yeah. And uh, so it's a it's a very different kind of city. It's a lot of <laughs> yeah, a lot of people in a in an area but yeah. not so much like a city with the infrastructure like we are exactly. used to. There's like know? one there's like what a million people around this area, something Spokane like that area. I think there's somewhere around that part. I don't know. Yeah, I know it's in that range, but it's a lot of people. Yeah, just here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And you're talking about <laughs> yeah. a, a village that has a million people. Yeah, and I imagine there's not too many. Yeah, it's just wild. It's yeah. gonna be a definite culture shock um, again. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. And uh, you said too, like I remember you saying, um, you're gonna, you have your own security guard for your house, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, because I mean, it's still gonna be, even though this is a major city, there's still 
probably conflict that comes near that city or into the city at times or yeah it's it's rare that uh just because it's so many people yeah big and, and then like the the um armies the congolese army is there like the official and, congolese yeah. armies mm-hmm. and then there. like the un like peacekeeping uh so you have, are, have a base there as well oh so that's so it, it gives you fairly like, safer there yeah as far as like comparatively the war goes yeah you know yeah but yeah we'll live in a house like out in the community and it it's normal uh for anyone not just like foreigners but even the congolese to have uh, yeah. a century you know right uh, to to um you know just protect your yeah home from you know and they like double shift as like as your gardener you know yeah. so it's like um or whatever you know so yeah it's uh that's standard in, kind of normal yeah there, right? in most yeah. Part, parts of the world that's kind of yeah it's the weird standard. <laughs> here we're like we're we're own defenders a lot of times yeah like, you know we'll exactly. break my home yeah see what happens but uh-huh. over there it's and yeah, it, and I've, it's I've normal to have like walls, you know, yeah, around I've, your. I've experienced property. that in Costa Rica. Yeah, like Costa Rica. Every home has like barbed wire fences exactly. around it, or like yeah, some kind of fence structure that's for security. Exactly, and uh, usually over the windows too. And then yeah, down at those places too, like you'll have like a security guard for the compound mm-hmm. if you're like an apartment compound, exactly. or like a guard at the gate if it's for a nicer or. I don't want to say nicer, but for a home. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, yeah, I experienced that somewhat in Mexico too, where I was at some places. But um, yeah, man, yeah, it's a, it's a, I can't wait to talk to you when you come back, you know, right. from the, <laughs> exactly. once you're there and you've been there a few years and you come back to check mm-hmm. in and just see the stories that you have then. Um, what else do you need to want to share? I know you need to share about how people can, right. you know, support this yeah. mission if they want to. Yeah. Um, so uh, actually on, on April 8th at 10 o'clock at uh, Pitati's Coffee um, uh, in the Garland District, uh, we're going to have like a public um, invitation for people who want to come and, and to know more and we'll show like pictures of the stuff that we do and um it will be an opportunity for people to ask questions and stuff like that so um yeah and uh if you're just interested in hearing more about it if you're interested in like uh partnering with us um there's different ways uh or different things that we need we kind of touched on that earlier mm-hmm. um we're about like halfway just a little halfway of our support raising needs so Mm. um that is definitely a way and um um yeah so um any contribution big or small we want to find more partners so if you're interested in this um yeah come in and talk to us you can also email me um it'll be a Ottoson, O-T-T-O-S-S-O-N at maf.org. And I'll put all the links um, in your notes too for this show so that people can access that information easily. Very good. Yeah. Uh And, uh, and yeah, we, we, um, we love like knowing our supporters personally because we see this as like a a relationship that we have. For sure. uh, 
Um, and yeah, it's really like our supporters that are carrying us. Yeah. Um, to the Congo. So, yeah, man. And, and keeping us there. So. Yeah, keeping you <laughs> yeah. there. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's fun. It's a, it's a team effort. Um, our MEF's um, mission statement is serving together to bring help, hope, and healing through aviation. And uh, um, maybe I should have mentioned that earlier, but that's basically like what, uh, what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, Everything we do statement. goes through that mission. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the together part cannot be understated. That yeah. it's like, yeah, it's us doing a lot of the direct work, um, but we partner with the people who live there. You know, mm-hmm. the Congolese and other organizations that come in, and uh, and you also get to partner um, with us and them indirectly. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see. Yeah, it taking form. You know. Yeah, so, and I mean, yeah. Teamwork makes the dream work. Like, not all of us can go over to Congo and help the people exactly. there. You know, it's just that is what and it is. Not and everyone is called either, you no, know. So yeah, it's, and so, um, but you can help support things going on in the world and being a part of it through other means, whether exactly. that's just financial. You know, yep. in my case right now, it's financial. But, mm-hmm. you know, maybe sometime in the future I'll be able to, come over there exactly. you know and help yeah. out in some way for a few weeks or whatever it may be mm-hmm. you know that like that's all like a big part of like why i do want to support you because i'm like <laughs> i want to come over dog yeah. like i you know like i want to be involved with city chapters or just my life mm-hmm. forget my brand just my life like man just being at service is something that i've been trying to really learn and like that you know that's something that Maybe more I took from Jesus, you know, um, from my learnings in church. But um, I really feel like so much of my life has been centered on me, 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 me. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I better me, you know? And like, really, I have so much. Really, I'm so blessed. But I get so stuck in this societal trap that we live in that it's always coming back to like, what can I do to better my life, to put myself in a higher position, dot, dot, dot. And I never really find fulfillment there, you know, and it's like, you know, so what is it that I need to change in my life? And the one thing I always come back to is like, dude, you need to stop focusing on yourself because really you're blessed and there's so much that you could probably do to help others that don't have nowhere near what you do, you know, and like, really, I'm already rich, Mm -hmm. you know, but I'm trained because of the way I'm been raised in this society that it's never enough. You're never, you can always get more, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm trying to break that cycle of thought. And um, so I love talking to people like you, man, that are like, yo, I'm, I'm going to do this thing with my life to help others. Yeah. And that's amazing. And yeah. I just I want to acknowledge you, Alfred. From the day I met you, you always been a grounded, well respected, and <laughs> just you. like just a good man. Yeah. You know, like you've always had that about you. You know, and, and uh, it's go it goes a long way, man. I'm really stoked for your journey that you're Thank going you. on. I'm glad that I can support in a little way. I'm glad that I have started this podcast so you could even just <laughs> exactly. be here today so we could have a further conversation on it. And I, you know, I hope it helps you out in your mission somehow, you know what I mean? Um, and we'll have you back on when you're back in Spokane. We'll probably do something else along the way where 
we have you just on a Zoom call or something. We sure. can just kind of check in with you. Sounds great. But um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being here Thanks today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. That's Alfred Ottoson. Um, I'm Bobby J, and this is City Chapters Podcast. Till next time. All right. Thank <laughs> you.